0: Thank you so much for listening to the Echoes of the Holograph audio narration. My name is Alder Basic and this is Chapter 4, or should I say, World 4, Freebooter. (laughs) Francis Drake was anything but meek. His sharp jaw was powerful enough to draw looks of jealousy and his beard was full and heavy. Francis stood six feet tall, and his broad shoulders and tan skin baked in the sun. His hands were on his hips, and he winced at the hot rays pressing down on his forehead. His skin was calloused and rough. Francis was grizzled, even though he would never admit it. He had a wife in Tortuga, a wife in Balk Springs, and a few maidens sprinkled here and there. The wrinkles in his face crinkled in the wind, and his cracked lips danced as they took in air. He was a lonely dog of a man. He longed for the days when he could retire and carve out a calmer life for himself, even if that day would never come. With a long sigh, his legs drift towards the pier. Francis rose out of that bed that morning like any morning before, with a kick of his boot, a lick of the tongue, and a feigning for adventure. It was the day of another expedition, The high seas awaited him. He tussled his hair in the mirror as a kettle of boiling water shrieked on the stove. He poured his coffee and cleaned the scabbard of his familial cutlass. His pistol sat on an old bookcase across the room, rusted and almost mischievous. He unfurled the cloth map on his dining room table, lit the gas lamp overhead, and surveyed his quarry. This would mark his second expedition into the waters of Tartarus. He stuffed a bottle of old juice into his back pouch and kicked out the door of his shack, his boots dug in the dirt. I am a pirate, Francis told himself, a mantra he repeated throughout his life. That is the life I lead. His name came from his father before him. Ekebel Drake was a businessman, lawman, and a victim of the plague that overtook Europe so many years back. Francis didn't think of him too much, instead he constantly found his mind and heart fixating on his older brother. Francis wondered where he had run off to, or if Marcus Drake was even alive. The last time he saw his eldest brother was when he got his first ship. His brother had brokered a deal with the local city's shipport for two boats, one for him and one for Francis. But when it came time to pay, the only payment the city received was firebombs and brimstone. His brother was rowdy like him, maybe even more so. Francis had hoped the plague didn't take him. Marcus always seemed larger than life. He was always grinning that big grin of his, and he was grinning like that when he gifted Francis one of his stolen ships. Francis was ecstatic, in the way a young person would be if they got a ship all to themselves, with freedom on the high seas awaiting him. Francis swayed and buckled underneath the palm trees of the island, sunlight hitting his cracked cheeks. He gripped his belt and adjusted it to the weight of his matchlock his boots clopping in the combination of sand, water, and wood that accumulated offshore. He spit in the sand. He arrived at the island shore and there he would find his crew of six men and his ship. The maiden Echo lay in dock, hugging the pier. Francis smiled at the thought of her, his boots tucked into the pier as he approached his oldest friend. There she was, the horizontal obelisk of a ship with nary a splinter out of place. Her plates singed with sheen, and her noises as she docked from side to side were a melody to Francis's ears. Francis greeted his men while they worked diligently to get the maiden echo to sea. He shook the wrinkled old hand of Talmud, the first thing Francis always noticed about Talmud, was how his teeth hung over his bottom lip. He patted the backs of Jonathan and Elias and gripped the wrist of McKenzie as he swaggered past them. Already on the maiden echo was Salty Pete, with his white hair, and Donald cleaning the telescopes with all of his meek stature. He was old friends with Jonathan and Elias and had met the rest through years of plundering towns, ransacking islands, and countless bouts of sea warfare. Jonathan was a silent man, Elias was the tallest of the crew and the loudest. Mackenzie was but a boy, but knew of his captain's tales, even joined him in the making and taking of the town of Perrymouth some years ago, a bloody conflict to be sure. The sails were already in place, aimed towards their destination, lowered, unfurled, and ready for adventure. With a heave and a toss of the anchor, the maiden echo creaked and groaned as it set off. The emerald hue of the waters reflecting into the men's eyes. The groans of the maiden echo unlodged itself from the pier could be heard throughout the entire island. The maiden echo was off and the wine was poured. Day one of an expedition tended to be full of cheer and intoxication. The waters near the port were calm and brisk, and the ship sailed towards the sun in pursuit of treasure, women, and fairy. Wine flowed, and stories were sung. Elias naturally sang the loudest. Francis was a pirate, and a pirate's life he led. As he sang with his men, he thought of the men he lost, whether the turbulent waters, cannon fire, or even abandonment, he thought of them but did not long for them. To Francis, crews were temporary, and he always felt that his compatriots of the sea thought the exact same way. He slept well, but only on the first night. Day 40 was difficult. Francis had lost track, Jonathan had fallen ill, and Mackenzie was learning the hard way that a pirate's life was not so simple, and that the food was always in danger of short supply. He was young and hungry, but obedient, he dared not complain. Those skinny arms would remain skinny. By the 60th day, the crew had faced their first storm. If there was anything that old Talmud was talented at, it was barking orders from the eagle's nest. Some said his eyes could pierce the clouds, that he made a deal with an old sea dog for the gift of farsight. Just a tale. Maybe. Talmud, in his old age, had grown accustomed to the height of the eagle's nest, His voice carried to the storm as it lurched over the open water spitting crimson and azure light at the men. Francis began to yell over the storm. He ordered for Donald to stay and tend to Jonathan's sickness below deck. Donald obliged. The storm rocked the ship back and forth, the lanterns falling on the wood and the parchment laying strewn in the hallways of the ship. The rats and crustaceans who found their way onto the ship feasted on the spilt chicken and grain in the halls below. Francis, Salty Pete, and Elias had managed to turn the ship away from the storm. Through fear itself, the burly men lived to fight another day. A few days later, the men gathered to break bread and roast fish. The gulls could be heard above, and the ship calmly rocked on. Donald and Jonathan were absent below deck. Talmud told his old story of conquering Tortuga, and Mackenzie indulged on tart and roasted chestnuts, while Francis lectured him on wind direction and map making. They sang slow pirate songs, and fantasized about docking and pillaging. Salty Pete and Elias loudly playing cards on the hull, praying the wind wouldn't blow the cardboard cards into the ocean. Elias would end up accusing poor Salty Pete of cheating, and a punch or two would be thrown before all things calmed down again. The maiden echo was silent that night, almost in judgment. The absence of a Jonathan and Donald hung in the air like a stench. By the time the sun had set 100 times, Francis felt easy, but did not know why. Jonathan and Donald had remained locked inside their cabin for who knows how long, combating what seemed to be the worst of illnesses, and he had received a sharp eye from Salty Pete. He tried not to think about it too much, for fear, paranoia on the high seas was getting the best of him. He had dreamed of dark whispers and cadavers of flesh. Nightmares on the sea were much worse than on the mud. There wasn't a good sense of footing when you woke up screaming, gasping, for a solid sense of self. Francis would sweat in his sleep and dream of the maiden echo and her pursuits on the seven seas. He reached for his gun, but it was no longer in his cabin. It was missing, and that filled Francis with terror. Francis found himself very close with Mackenzie and Talmud, who had begun taking his orders more diligently seemingly in fear of something. Maybe they heard whispers that Francis did not. It seemed the ship's crew had split in two. Francis, young Mackenzie, and old Talmud would work alongside the front of the ship as the days passed, while the infirm Jonathan Donald, Salty Pete, and Elias stowed themselves under the deck, quiet and still. Francis began to wonder what Jonathan was even sick with, if he was even sick at all. A wonderful picture, an old man, an older man, and a 15-year-old boy tending to a ship all by themselves. In the cabin, the silent reminder of the crew stayed in their cabins and slept. Francis felt that they had began abandoning their duties and wondered how to confront them. Elias retreated into his cabin, while Donald and Jonathan lay in an eerie sort of silence. His crew was hiding from him. It wasn't long after, when Francis Drake felt in his gut, that his crew was planning to kill him. Mutiny was fairly common around the Isles of Tortuga, but he never thought it would be his crew. He was good to his crew, and he never thought it was mutiny, or it would be mutiny. Francis wondered if he had learned one of life's greatest lessons too late, lessons about people. He wondered if it was truly happening. Francis felt that he had a glowing target on his back, and he theorized about who would be the one to follow through with the deed. The and Talmud, who became his quick confidants and only friends, assured him that this wasn't the case. But Francis knew. He knew because the winds of change had settled on his ship. Would he perish on the kept wood of his beloved maiden Echo? He did not particularly welcome the thought. Mutiny was pirate tradition, fabled. He was, however, only a pirate, and this was part of the job. The red and blue light of the ocean greeted Francis when he woke up that day. His stomach sick with salt and nausea and his head pounding from the lack of nutrients in his blood overnight he had worn himself gray and was overcome with intense seasickness he noticed that mackenzie and talmud were missing and for the first time felt completely alone and abandoned he touched the wood of his ship and mourned at the idea of never seeing her again he stepped out and stood on the rim of the ship his eyes met the piece of wood hanging over the side of the boat these bootlickers They're really going to make me walk the plank." He could hear the incessant splashing of the sharks in the water already. Francis looked up at the sky and felt the weight of the sun drifting over him. Francis scraped the door of his cabin with his palm before he set out to meet his men, a line of murderers and friends. Jonathan was looking tall and proud. He sneered at Francis and Francis sneered back with a side smile. Talmud and Mackenzie stood facing him near the back of the pack looking down with fresh purple marks under the eyes. They were still obedient to Francis, still known as their commander in the recesses of their minds. The waves of the boat rocked the ocean calmly. Francis walked into the line of men. He stood shoulder to shoulder with them and spoke with valor and told them that even though the tides of man called for his execution today, there was still love in his heart for each of them. Francis touched Mackenzie's cheek and assured him that he knew it wasn't his doing. Francis' eyes met Jonathan's. There was a silence, broken only by Francis, bashing him on the cheek with his fist, his eyes white hot with anger. He threw Jonathan to the ground and forced answers out of his bloody mouth. The crew watched in silence, knowing the bout would change nothing. Francis would come to find out that he had made a deal with the old sea devil at a different port, when they had persuaded him with riches— if he could secure the maiden echo for himself. That damn Jonathan. The rest of the men stared at Francis while Salty Pete and Elias cupped the captain's arms and escorted him to the plank. A pirate's heaven was kinder than the realm of man, Salty Pete whispered to him. Francis stoically stared forward as he walked to his grave. He felt a tug on his arm and looked down at old Talmud with tears in his eyes. Talmud's white beard soaked with dirt, his age showing in the creases of his face. He was crying. Francis put his palm on his hand and smiled at him. He walked ten paces forward. Sorrow overtook him. He did not understand the world of men. This was the life you chose. A bright light overtook him. The first time he set foot on the maiden Echo, he kissed the trim of her unfurled sail. He had learned much in his long life. He stood at the edge and it himself staring forward intently on the plank his eyes met the horizon now caked with fog but just then in the distance captain francis drake saw an island with a mountain's peak that shined bright and high francis chuckled stared back at his men and met their eyes a final time he smacked his lips and opened his mouth but no words would come out he laughed loudly and winked at them before he jumped into the red and blue sea. Background Music by El Scavone, reading by me, book written by me, introductory song, and ending theme by Brandon Moss. Echoes of the Holograph It's available for purchase on Amazon. You can either get the paperback or the Kindle version, whichever makes the most sense for you. Take care, guys.